welcome to another episode of First Time Films. You're probably sat there wondering who on earth is hosting this time. Yes, it's me. After a five-minute petition, after so many arguments, David Trough finally <laughs> gave in to the pure pressure and the absolute pressure from the world united in order to get me in the hot seat. Well, I say the hot seat, I'm just sat in my bedroom, which is converted into a studio, but that's another thing. I am your host today. My name is Prince Quacky Jofer, and joining me today is the courtship of Lindsay, as I am now the crown prince of Lindsay. Joining me, first of all, his voice is so smooth and silky, you would confuse him constantly talking like a soul glow advert. It's Nicky Buchanan. <laughs> I've never been introduced like that. I usually get my voice slaughtered, man. <laughs> How you doing, my man? I'm doing brilliant, mate. I'm looking forward to this. Watch this afternoon. I've been so looking forward to it all day. Listen to it. Soul glows. Oh, oh, so you've made yeah, it tones. Dude, exactly. Dulcet tones. That's how I describe it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, just like Daryl's family leaving the couches, not a uh, not a dry seat uh, seat left and side when people sit up. <laughs> anyway, folks, in first time films, we do have our very own semi here. Uh, now this man is our semi of the first time films, mainly because he walks around with one. It's Ian. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> How's it going? How you doing, my man? You good? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one as well, man. Uh, just just watched this film for the first time this afternoon, man. Uh, it'll be great to have a chat about it. Looking forward to it. Nice, nice, nice. Now, before we go into the Kingdom of Zamunda, we need to get the housekeeping out of the way. So, wherever you're listening to this, make sure you get subscribed to First Time Films. Once you're on the subscribing platform, get subscribed to Full Time Football. Get subscribed to FTTV. Also, FTYT on YouTube. Get subscribed on there. There's a really new cool show that starts out every month that has just started on FTYT. Who is it that does that one? Is, it, is there anyone I'm, I'm so glad you asked me that question because it's a show called Late Night with Quacker and Stacey where you, we talk about all the late night topics at 9pm. We, we like to pride ourselves on a proper late night show, not just this morning held at 9pm. We are a proper late night show where we go straight in on the topics. Speaking of straight in, uh, Ian, you do actually have a business venture that has just been started out by your other good half. Yeah, yeah, my better, my better half indeed. Uh, yeah, her and her dad just started a kind of haggis selling business. They're called the Haggis House at the Haggis House on Instagram. Uh, they've just uh, started selling. If you live in the south side, they just started selling haggis for collection at, uh, at their house. And it's like, I just tried it for the first time today as well. We have first time haggis. Uh, it was honestly so good. Uh, go and check out the Instagram or go and check out the Facebook page. Like, you won't be disappointed. It's uh, some great stuff. That's that's some. I probably I can't wait to try me some haggis. <laughs> now, we I need to I need to slide into your DMs on that one because there is a particular <laughs> show on FTYT that is looking for a sponsorship, and we've all we've had a sponsorship in the past from a restaurant, but I think we need to elevate ourselves slightly. So watch out for that DM coming in there, Ian and Sophie. Your card is marked. Okay, folks, so let's go over to Samunda, where we hear live reports from 30 years ago that uh, the Crown Prince has just been, he's just turned 21, and he's got a, ro- a royal suitor. Folks, 
coming to America. We are finally here. It's quite apropos that we're doing this as coming to this the sequel has just come mm. out on Prime Video. So started off as a moon we start off with the music montage, going through the beautiful kingdom of Zamunda, seeing the palace and everything. I'm going to come to you guys first. What was before you watched this film? What were you kind of expecting? What 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 kind of things were you like? Were you and were you first expecting that? What did you first when you first saw it? What was your initial thoughts of it? I'll come I to mean, you. Next. Uh, Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I was I was looking forward to it, mate, because I love I love Eddie Murphy. I've always loved him, so I love. I was like, see the kind of early ones he done, like, trading places. This was the only one I hadn't seen. Then like Beverly Hills Cop, and all that. They're not, they're not like the same, but he always plays like a kind of. He's quite cool and everything. I think because he's, he's fucking Eddie Murphy. He just yeah. is cool, and then he's always. It's obviously they're always funny, but this was quite a bit different than I was expecting because it was more. Like a love story, wasn't it? Then mm-hmm. like an out and out comedy. Only Beverly House caught, but he's just fucking cool. So <laughs> I was quite a bit different than I was expecting. <laughs> How about you, Because I'm sure um, this is your first time watching the film, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I don't know that many John Landis's movies. Uh, well, I've not seen that many of them, but uh, The Blues Brothers is like one of my favourites. Like one of my favourites all time, actually. It's absolutely hilarious, and you can definitely you can definitely see that like it's the same like filmmaker in that front and. Eddie Murphy just has this kind of endless charisma, so I kind of knew that like you're going to be in for a bit of a treat. And it just seems like uh, it's one of these movies that everyone says is great, and then mm-hmm. I've never actually got around to watching myself. So it was really mm-hmm. good. To, it was really good to get a chance to watch it today. Um, but no, on 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 the whole, uh, on, on first impressions, um, well, I, wasn't, I wasn't expecting the kind of like vaguely African accent that <laughs> Eddie Murphy was going to put on the whole. There's no flashes, and it sounds wrong. back like Eddie Murphy again. Yeah. <laughs> like, like certain words, you'll be like, "Oh, that's Eddie Murphy." Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So um, I didn't. So I actually didn't really know I was expecting to go in. I actually like, didn't know the plot of the story on the way in. I just knew it was like a big Eddie Murphy flick. And uh, yeah, to be honest, like it was a, a like first impression is really great. Mm-hmm. Well, we see it in the Zamunda. He wait. He gets the what can only be described as the best alarm clock ever. It's his twenty first <laughs> birthday, and we start to see the crooks of what it's like to be a royal person in Zamunda with the rose-pick bearers throwing <laughs> the petals at your feet, not to mention the bathing you get. I mean, how amazing. <laughs> Quote-unquote bathing. <laughs> <laughs> Something on that, right. Now, full disclaimer, I first saw this film when I was <laughs> 10 years old in Ghana, right? So I go on my family holiday back to Ghana, where my family are from. And at that time, because our house was still being built, I stayed at my granduncle's house, right? My granduncle's house is like something out of Zamunda. Like, I'm not going to lie, it's huge. <laughs> and he has a huge video library. And the, all the cassettes were set up in order. And he's got a library book to show you where to go, like a reference. So that's fucking we, amazing. At least he's on <laughs> that's so cool. Exactly. <laughs> so me and my brother, we decided we're going to watch a film. My brother put some coming to America. And we play this tape, right? I swear to you, this is the first time I've seen breasts on TV. So it was amazing. <laughs> 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 so yeah that was the first time there did it did my soft porn cherry there there we are <laughs> on it i was shocked to that bit of the stars like jesus 
Yeah, I didn't realise actually how adult it was, like with the kind of swearing and the nudity and all that. I always thought it was a kind of not kid, not kid oriented, but I don't know. I just, for some reason, I just I thought see, it, back I then, Eddie Murphy was more like for adults, wasn't he? It was really yeah, kind of big SNL like, guy, yeah, yeah, of course. I want to go off topic here, but I remember Chris Rock telling a story about seeing him when he was young and he was working at a club where the, the guy was quite racist to him and he said, Eddie Murphy came in and he said, The line was, he said, I didn't meet Dr. Doolittle, I met Eddie fucking Murphy. It was like leather suit. One leather glove around all that, like prime Eddie Murphy. If there was that bit at the start where he was just like king of the world, mm-hmm. yeah, I suppose. Uh, I mean, yeah, they did have a kind of reputation for being quite raunchy, like in the comedy scene, like growing up. He was like one of the kind of like big, like really rude comics. I feel like he was, yeah, yeah. A bit, like in a head was time like that, a bit less family friendly. <laughs> so I don't know what I was, I don't know what I was expecting, but there you go. Maybe I was just thinking of him as Donkey and I just assumed it was a kid. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. Something we will come on to later on is just the layers that Eddie Murphy can add to the character that he plays and stuff, as it is shown in this film especially. Now, we do get to him having his grand breakfast in front of his mum and dad. <laughs> and I don't know about you guys, but I don't I don't know any family meal where you need to speak for an intercom. Yeah. <laughs> before before you move down closer to your mum and dad, the rose bearers need to be called upon. That's when you start to see the start of his... He wants to go away from certain royal protocols because he's not really seen the outer world. I mean, it's definitely on topic as we talk this week. It's a shame yeah. there was an Oprah Winfrey to a, a, a interview Akeem at that time. But anyway, <laughs> and, like we start to see those kind of things, and you can only imagine if you've as as good as it is to have that kind of lifestyle and stuff, you will miss certain like privileges that you're not able to do. You you just be free if you know what I mean, like. Do you guys know what I'm talking about with that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, on you go, Nick. No, on you go. On you go. I was just saying, yeah, I don't know that much. No, I just thought, I mean, I thought that, I thought that whole, that, <laughs> that whole opening scene was just such a great, just such a great setup. the whole kind of like the total excess that he lives in. And mm-hmm. I feel like that could make you, like, I feel like in another movie that could maybe hate, make you hate that main character. But I think it's mm-hmm. like, it, because the, how like kind of charming Eddie Murphy ends up being, like, you end up kind of falling off. And that is kind of funny. It's like there's like elephants <laughs> wandering by, and now they're talking to each other. There's wood pet, rose petals being thrown at his feet as he walks. It's just like, it's so funny. Like, like, <laughs> see, I didn't know anything about this film. So, see, like that, what you're saying, like the start where you see like the excess, I thought it was going to be that he like loved all that. And then he was yeah. going to get sent to America rather than want to go to America. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Edna. Then when you seen James Earl Jones, you're like, hey, he must be some kind of bad guy because he's never like a, ve- a very welcoming person, is he? He's yes. just always like ominous, <laughs> just saying, "I am your father" through the fucking yeah, telecom exactly. at the breakfast table. <laughs> Mate, he is funny though. There's a bit where he says, um, "I tied my own shoes once." It's an over. It's so funny. If anyone else said that, I don't think it would be as funny. But it's his voice. <laughs> yeah, like a super bassy, like kind of <laughs> yeah, epic so sounding good. voice. See, on that note, like, man, 
like my whole family we've seen this film so many a time so this is like one of the weird films that we, I'm a, we have a weird family that this isn't one of the films that unites us as a family kind of thing so <laughs> and my dad for a while kept on saying believe me it was an overrated experience <laughs> <laughs> such just, a good line man it's, oh, it really is it really is and it was also when it seems like yesterday I ordered your first diaper change yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was fucking excellent. <laughs> Absolutely great. Yeah, so we continue to see the descent against the traditions of the royal courtship and stuff when he has to he does his workout with Semi and Semi says that's how it's always been with men in power, it's tradition. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Uh, and a very interesting take on what should be tradition and whatever have you. And it leads immediately onto the big grand ceremony. Now, did you all think when that lady said, excuse me, get out of the way, did you all think that was her? It had me for like one second. Now I was like, wait a minute, this, this, this isn't right. This, 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 this can't be, they can't make it that, they can't make it that obvious. <laughs> that, that whole scene, that whole scene was so class. Just that, that big, the big massive, da- the big whole big massive dance thing. It was just so great to. It was just up your great, <laughs> like just visual piece. Oh, it was some ensemble. At that time, I used to play like the African djembe drums, and and my family we were part of like an African dance group based in Glasgow. I know that ex- actually existed and stuff. So we was that a big hit. <laughs> <laughs> we we did our thing. We did our thing. <laughs> uh, we actually did do a royal performance. We did performance. Yeah. We did a performance in with uh, in front of Prince Charles. Uh, they did that at Mary Hill Community Hall of all places. They had like a intercultural event and Prince Charles came up and my mum actually pulled Tr- uh, Prince Charles aside and they, they danced together. <laughs> so it's like, that's amazing. No way. <laughs> that's, a, that's some anecdote, man. <laughs> I won't leave y'all with that anecdote there. But I, I was just thinking... <laughs> Uh, where's O'Hart to sing She's Your Queen at the end? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that singing was absolutely beautiful. The way I he just. Uh, <laughs> I was so shocked at that bit. He's just some voice, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gorgeous, man. Gorgeous. Yeah, I tell you what, they, they have a lot more fun in the Zamundu royal family than it seems they do uh, over here with the royal family. Everyone's fucking miserable at any event. You, see, you know, they pretend, pretend to smile, smiling through gritted teeth. Yeah. Like well, I don't have a good know time. how they do that. See, see the joke. The obviously joke in that is that there's all these this music getting played. So you see the royal family, and here, and they walk in. And there's like trumpets being played. They just they don't like do anything. They're just like this is this is adequate. Like this is fitting. And you're like I would be so uncomfortable. I'd let everyone just stop the trumpets, please. <laughs> it's a big big spectacle, and as you see, his future bride Maddie is Z appears with the, what can only be described as the longest trail ever. <laughs> now, it becomes apparent that he wants to do things differently, even pulling her aside <laughs> into the room to discuss things. <laughs> there we really see why he was nervous about what was about to come and the fact that this woman has been, I mean, poor woman, she's been groomed yeah. To basically be. Oh, did you serve him? 
be exactly not be a wife but just a servant and it's like whatever you like whatever thing you like this and that and that thank god for akim i mean akim was woke on that maybe it was because of <laughs> what he did at, what he did at one but he be, i mean he left the poor lady hopping and barking <laughs> i know i wonder <laughs> I how long she get doing that after he left <laughs> i thought it was probably because of what his mum's like because his mum and it doesn't seem like that like she just serves his dad Mm-hmm. Even though his dad does say that he has sex with the, the bathers, but his mum <laughs> seems quite independent throughout the whole movie, so I thought that was probably why. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, Eoleon always, I mean, spoiler alert, that is her name. She, I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, she always struck me as she's quite servile to the kingdom of Samunda, but yet she is very independent in herself and and her thoughts, and she is quite forceful, especially with uh, King Joffrey Jofar. That's yeah. a great name as well. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Jaffrey Jaffa. <laughs> <laughs> when he said King Joffrey, I was like, what the hell did, did, did George R. Martin steal something for Game of Thrones for that? Extraordinarily different characters. <laughs> and it is from there, Akeem wants to travel well, it was it was a weird suggestion from Joffrey Jofer and the fact that Akeem said that he hasn't he's yet to see the world and Joffrey Jofer in his usual way assumes what he actually means and just sends him out to America to saw his royal oats or whatever. The wee face he makes when he says it they're like royal oats. Guys <laughs> like, oh. face lights up. <laughs> No, it is from there. The in the ceremony, Joffrey Joffrey makes the grand announcement that Akeem is going to America. I don't know about you guys. I just found this hilarious when he says, "My son's going on a trip. The wedding will commence." And as if as if he's so sure on it, and then yeah. he says, "Oh, how prepare the royal baggage." Yeah. <laughs> I like how he then just shouts to someone else as well. <laughs> it's, it's like one of those old gangster things of the boss you you should never hear the boss's thoughts but yet you did hear the boss's thoughts in this example yeah. <laughs> which is so weird so yeah the Akeem and Semi they're going to go off to America and they they choose America either Los Angeles or New York uh, fate took them over to New York. The innocence in them and the fact that they're really rich people of all the boroughs they wanted to go to, they fought Queens because he wanted to find his future queen. <laughs> yeah, such a damn, such a damn joke, and it's actually the thing that sets up the whole. It's actually the thing that sets up the whole rest of the movie. I wonder if, like, when they were like coming up with this idea that that's what they went for. It's like a prince goes to Queens to find a queen. That's so funny. <laughs> they they do end up in, in they land at JFK. I mean, Concord and everything. Remember that was a thing. Oh yeah. 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 Nah, my mum's been on one of them. I've always it's always wanted to be I've always wanted that on my bucket list just to go on a comfort, but I'm yeah. absolutely terrified of flying, so I will not be doing that. Oh <laughs> <man>. <laughs> it's so weird that watching a film from thirty years ago seems like the future. <laughs> just being <laughs> seen that but but yes, they do arrive at New York City 
add Akeem. This is where we start to see the shift in Akeem. We must not let anyone know we're royalty and what has fallen them. Like 30 Louis Vuitton suitcases. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, they do have like, a York from in there. Guys, when they arrived then, you can see their sh- the shift in their character and what them taking it in. <laughs> now, on the on the scene, we do go straight to the barber shop, which says a place that I absolutely love. Who yeah. remembers who was sitting on the chair getting their hair cut? Um, I don't know actually. I do like the barber shop as well though. Well, it's actually a future Hollywood star in Cuba Gooding Jr. Was it actually? That was him. So oh, the guy, really? I didn't. It totally went over my head. Yeah, so the guy sitting with the big afro where Clarence is not really cutting his hair and just talking <laughs> absolute crap. As oh, my God. So as I've just looked that, that up, that's amazing. Yeah, that's Cooper Gooding Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. There's a couple of future stars in this as well. Exactly. Um, Samuel Jackson's in it at some point as well. Yeah, he... He does, well, spoiler alert, he is the robber who tries to steal who tries to steal from Cleo McDowell's uh, restaurant and Akeem and Semi did their whole action man thing and, and saved everybody from it. I looked this up on IMDb because I was thinking, was he big at this point? And then mm-hmm. I looked at it. See, I think it was both credits before and after he was credited as black guy. In both movies, I was like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> fucking hell. That was the, the two credits. Because, <laughs> yeah, and coming to America, that really narrowed that one down. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, just, uh, on that, it was like thief or something like that. I was like, fucking hell. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's more plausible, that one. Yeah. I mean, there, there was only one, well, there were multiple one. thief, but the most prominent the one you thief would think. <laughs> <laughs> So, on, on that note, guys, I'm going to ask you the, your first ultimatum question. Joe Lewis or Rocky Marciano? Uh, well... They, they do make the point that Rocky Marciano does beat him, but Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis for you, <laughs> Yeah, Joe Lewis did kick his ass. So yeah, to, 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 quote, to, quote the, to quote the movie, like, obviously, you gotta, get, you gotta give it to him. <laughs> Full disclaimer, right? The, my barber, the barbers I go to is exactly like that, right? You have your guy in the corner who talks absolute shit, right? <laughs> just just yeah. talks, uh, talks for days, absolute shit, and talks about it like you like it's legit the thing. <laughs> then you have another person who just antagonizes him and keeps him, <laughs> keeps him going. And then you've got another guy who just sits there nodding quietly and going, mm-hmm. And it's just absolute mayhem in the barbershop I go to. So every time I go there, it's like I've just stepped into Mighty Shark and getting my hair cut. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just sitting there going, can you just do my fade for me, mate? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, everyone at that bit as well? Yeah, I know. It's so funny seeing him as all these different guys, even the, even the, like, the Jewish customers. Like, yeah. then, see, when, when I was older, you then see the ones where you see like, um, what's the one called Norbit and he plays like everyone in it so yes. he was obviously doing that well he was up, He was in Saturday Night Live wasn't he so he was doing characters and that so he ended up even back then he was doing everything 
mm-hmm. who's obviously wanted to be involved in all parts of it, not just been the main character, but I'm sure he wrote the story as well. He didn't write the actual script, but I'm sure the story's by him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, the, the barbershop conversations are just like, they're just so, they're just so great. Just like, I can just imagine, you, you, can really, you can really feel like the energy of it. And even though he's playing all of them, it's still just like, you do believe that they're all sitting uh, there. Just and I think it's just cool. I think it's just like, uh, cool, 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 cool from a filmmaking standpoint there. But I was just so, I was just so funny. I'm just yelling his head off his clients. So <laughs> just fantastic, man. It is proper. Barbershop is just the best. It's just the best. From the bar here in the barbershop, you do see him going to seek out his first, the, their first accommodation, where it's the words we desire meager accommodation. Meager. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you guys. I just loved the landlord and the way he answered the door. That's just absolute first class hotel <laughs> service yeah. right, there. right there. And it's definitely not the service I experienced at the trailer hotel Blackpool. The guy was very welcoming, which was actually <laughs> the sponsor of my introduction at the Star Wars movie. And still keeping that uh, sponsorship money going of zero. So yes. <laughs> guys that that hotel that room <laughs> talk us through it I mean, I've, stayed in, I've stayed in some shitholes man <laughs> and that was in a Belgrove hotel <laughs> oh no I've stayed in a hotel in Malia that we went in our room and there was two cockroaches like dead ones like right to the bed and then me being a horrible person as well I put one into my pal Ryan's shoe which now <laughs> now I look at that and go I would I would kill somebody for doing that but when you're 17 you think this is hilarious <laughs> yeah, I, I got, yeah. you gotta just love the doll the landlord just like he's showing them the room and a rat is literally walking across the room while he's showing them it and he's just standing there bare, bare face just like yep that's the that's the fucking point <laughs> <laughs> to be, I mean, to be fair, I mean, Ian, you're, I think you're being a bit mean with the landlord. To be fair, he was told we desire meager accommodation. <laughs> yeah. Like, but, I mean, so, <laughs> so he saves a really bad room just in case someone specifically requests. So he's just like, oh, I've got a real treat for you. If you're no, I'll give you that. Then. <laughs> it's, it's, it's what you call future proofing your business and be that absolute <laughs> sharp businessman. My favorite line for, I mean, apart from the what the what the fuck do you want? You better not be wasting my time. You've got money. My favorite line has to be damn shame what they did to that dog. <laughs> oh, that was fucking funny as well, man. The dog ain't the dog. Yeah, and that, that's the guy from the wire, right? He plays like the kind of police captain in the wire. It's just like I just I, I didn't realize just how good the cast was in this, and then like because obviously he turns up for a wee bit, and he got Samuel L. Jackson later on as well. I thought it was kind of funny the Samuel Jackson bit because it's like uh, it's the complete opposite of the scene he does in Pulp Fiction, whereas uh, mm-hmm. he has to try and de-escalate the situation where all the diners getting robbed. He's the one holding the shotgun this time. <laughs> exactly. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Well, it was all from there where he we he he starts to put in the crooks to find his future queen, where him and Sammy go to a club. Uh, start meeting different people. Now, I don't know about you guys, but although she talked a lot, the girl that talked a lot, she seemed all right. She seemed nice. Yeah, yeah, she tried yeah, to get her life together. I thought. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he said that he wanted something that had her own thoughts and talked through and stuff. Maybe that was the extreme other yeah, end of yeah, the yeah, scale. Yeah, too much. Still, yeah. Uh, she seemed all right, but ah, totally. Uh, 
Totally. I feel like that scene, oh, sorry. I, I know that that scene, like, I feel like that scene kind of encapsulates like what I love about the movie as a whole. I just feel like it's like what really makes this film these really like strong, uh, strong like New York characters. Like these people are just like electric and never like whenever someone pops up on the screen talking some sort of shit. Like you're always like right there for it. I think that scene was such a good like exemplification of it. And also just kind of shows that like, Eddie Murphy's kind of SNL background with that as well because it's ve- that's very kind of like improv sketch sketch type stuff but mm-hmm. uh, that scene that scene was that scene was great man just like just hearing everyone like babbling nonsense <laughs> and it is from there where he decides maybe going to a club or a bar is not the place to find his future queen and who does he seek advice from clarence the barbershop owner because obviously this this man 30 years ago was the tinder of queens new york this man had it going <laughs> what about his yeah. advice is it'll go to a library the, the one yeah, place you can't talk to his girls in the library <laughs> <laughs> what a place you're not allowed to speak <laughs> I, I don't know about you guys but is, is, i don't like how how could that even work because anytime you talk in a library you always get this Thing. Uh, so, that happened to me see, the first time I took a girl out I went to see Taken and then mm-hmm. obviously Taken was massive at that point right? so we basically we'd split, text each other but not really spoke in person and you get into the cinema and then you're like shit like, okay, we can't say anything and anytime mm-hmm. I tried to talk the guy behind me was like shh and then he just had to sit in silence <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to work the magic here <laughs> and after that we're just like that was good wasn't it anyway we'll see you later <laughs> It's like, dude, I'm trying to work on it. Calm down, calm down. <laughs> exactly. Calm down. But it turned out uh, Clarence was actually right because he suggested going to the church, a uh, Black Awareness Rally. So they go to a Black Awareness Rally. Um, Semi is very dismissive in what he says. He, he really likes the royal lifestyle and stuff. He's not liking this new as it was said, meager lifestyle that he's been living in New York. And you start to see that there's, um, Akeem is really hell-bent on this because he wants to find somebody that loves him for uh, who he is and not what he is. So he, he feels that somebody would gravitate to him just because he's a prince. And as as we now know, he's got his own money and stuff. So you can sympathise with him in that sense. Maybe it was just done a bit too extreme and in the wrong manner. Like, what do you guys think on that point? Yeah, I thought it was kind of funny, Sammy's attitude, because he's not actually a royal. Like, yeah. <laughs> like he's, 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 like a per- he's just a personal way, you know, pal to... <laughs> like, if he wasn't so sentimental, him, he wouldn't have any of that stuff in the first place, so... Exactly. Well, a exactly. bit of perspective, Sammy, all right? That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I liked, I liked that character, actually, to be fair. Even though there was a pure liar and stuff. Also, I didn't know, I didn't even know Arsenio Hall was an actor. I just thought he'd done talk shows and things like that. Yeah. So I was surprised to actually see him in it. Yeah, no, he, yeah, he's, he was known for having his talk shows and stuff, and I think he played this role really, really well. Yeah, just smiling so, and, like, being mm-hmm. nice and stuff. He was good, mm-hmm. but he, I kept thinking at one point, I was like, he's, he wants to be in that position. Right, yeah. He wants to be the king. Absolutely. I mean, he loves the lifestyle and stuff, so why he, I think he would want to get his way cemented into it. That's absolutely clear. But something is that he is very loyal to Akeem. Although he doesn't like Akeem's way of thinking, you can tell he does have that loyalty towards Akeem and serving him. 
and he's obviously got strict orders from the king to look after Akeem, which do we find out if he has done that, yes or no. However, in the Black Awareness Rally, they do have a beauty pageant on. None of them do meet Akeem's requirement up until a certain Lisa McDowell comes up to speak. Now, guys, what were your first thoughts when you saw Lisa up on the stage? <laughs> I thought, oh, that's going to be the love interest, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, I was like, there they are. You know, there were two aspects of that Black Awareness Rally that I loved. R- uh, Jackson Heights' own Randy Watson coming up on stage to perform <laughs> and nobody liking them. And it took me a while to realise that that was also Eddie Murphy up on the stage singing. Was it actually? Was yeah, it? I didn't, didn't realise. That is mental. <laughs> yeah. So Randy Watson was played by Eddie Murphy. That that um, that's a, um, that completes the full set. So at this stage, we've now seen all of Eddie Murphy's characters. So he's obviously <laughs> Prince Akeem. He is also... Um, it's, uh, the entire uh, barbershop. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Two of the barbershop people he is. So he's Saul, uh, the Rocky the Adam guy, and Clarence, the owner. And finally, you see him as Randy Watson. Um, now, <laughs> to back up a wee bit, Randy Watson is introduced by Reverend Brown, who, I must repeat, is not here to preach. <laughs> However, when you hear the Lord, there's a Lord somewhere. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Yeah, I totally, I totally, I totally love all that, all that chat. Now, I love the idea of guys like just back to somebody might talk all the time. <laughs> like that's not just a performance. Just get that so, Praise the Lord. So good, man. No, I've got to say that is actually so important. Point, right because let me get cultural your your churches here are uh, in, are very um very to the wire simple get get it done done bish bash bosh boring even even <laughs> even your uh, even your singing i'm gonna let it oh, shine mate. let it shine let it shine <laughs> let it shine the end I, However, African churches, this <laughs> little, and they just stretch it out as long as possible. And you as can, honestly, you couldn't be more right. It's, it's awful going to see, see, like, I think I've told the story before in this. Half and half, my mum said they're Catholic, my dad said they're Protestant, right? So <clears> I didn't really see a lot of my dad. A real always, <laughs> Exactly. So it was always the Catholic church that I went to, right? In Catholic church, you're just there for hours. Just hours and hours, like weddings. It's so fucking long. See, the first Protestant one I went to, I was like, sent my dad, like, I need to go to the toilet. And he went, don't worry, we'll be out here in 10 minutes. It's like, I brought my sleeping bag for nothing. <laughs> exactly. But is it, hey, at Catholic weddings, they do like Bible verses on like death and stuff, and you're like, so that's not many people like happy. well on that note as well uh, and when we see Reverend Brown that is also the time we see all of Arsenio Hall's characters so he is Semi 
He's also Morris the barber that constantly smells. Well, that doesn't narrow it down. And I've got to say exactly as it is scripted in IMDb. Extremely ugly girl, uh, uh, an unattractive female club goer. That's the official line. Imagine and auditioning for that role. <laughs> that would be so destroyed. Here, here auditioning for the unattractive girl. And it's finally Reverend Brown. I love Reverend Brown because remember he's not here to preach. <laughs> yeah, he is not here to preach. So yes, Akeem Akeem does see Lisa McDowell on stage. Little does he know that Lisa is actually in a long term relationship with Daryl. So, but as we see in the the scene, Daryl is a prick. <laughs> oh, he's a total cunt. Oh, absolute prick. He's the heir to Soul Glow, the biggest hair product uh, company, as Nikki would tell you. And he <laughs> puts absolutely nothing in the donation box. Can you believe that? What a dick. And takes credit, doesn't it, at one point? It takes credit exactly. for that. a sizable donation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know what I like. Do you know what? I actually thought that was a kind of funny uh, parallel to draw because obviously they don't have the. They don't. Like have a monarchy in America, obviously, but like the equivalent mm-hmm. is basically like if you come yeah, from like money, you have money, and therefore have power because you know money talks in America. Obviously, mm-hmm. I thought that was I thought that was a really I actually thought that was a really cool kind of a really cool parallel they drew there. Kind of like he's essentially the royalty equivalent. Like he didn't earn any of his he didn't earn any of his money, but he actually <laughs> he, he acts like he does as you know kind of like the kind of typical monarch seems to do. And they're old. <laughs> <laughs> the old everything that they get. So, so it, was a, it was a cool thing. <laughs> well, as from that, we do know there is a lord somewhere, and Akeem starts his pursuit of love with Lisa. And what does he do? He gets a job at his dad's at her dad's restaurant because that's how it goes, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you got to be in the right place, you know. Mm-hmm, exactly, be at the right place, um, mopping away into her heart. As Sandy did say, <laughs> we do see Prince Crown Prince Hakeem. He did want to experience normal life and stuff. And what normal way of life can you be by start starting out by mopping up a fake McDonald's restaurant? <laughs> yeah, McDonald's is fucking so funny. I, I like how first... much he explained it all as well. <laughs> How every single bit was really like McDonald's, but slightly different. Yeah, is, that, is the movie sponsored by McDonald's? I was kind of thinking that because like he like does explicitly mention the Big Mac and then goes like, yeah, two full beef patties with lettuce, onions, pickles. I was like, wait a minute, yeah, McDonald's kind got of a hand in this, don't they? They were all wearing tartans, out, weren't they? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> the Big Mac. You gotta love the Big Mac. <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, so on his pursuit for love, he does go, go through different trials and tribulations, including he he does see he does see that Lisa is with Daryl, and he goes through a phase where he wants to be like Daryl in every way, even to say even to you know, the extremes he goes to is he wants to get his hair like Daryl using Soko. Thankfully, this is the first bit of good advice that Cla- well, second bit of good advice Clarence gave, and the fact that he said getting good with the father, 
and your home dry and your home free awards. <laughs> 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 also, also on that, he does buy Lisa a really, really expensive earrings that requires a police officer with a gun to accompany the delivery driver. I mean, that is some danger, just eat delivery right there, isn't it? <laughs> proper, proper is. However... Because he doesn't want to let Lisa know that he's got money, he keeps anonymous. He just says, "Not Daryl." <laughs> so <laughs> I like that level of pettiness. Just no, need to make sure. Right? <laughs> he already took credit for the bloody donation. Like, <laughs> not, he's not getting credit for the five hundred grand here. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 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 So yes, it is from there. We do see that. Akeem is trying his best to get in with Lisa, but also get in with the father because Clarence told him. And what does he go and say? He starts talking about American football, which he obviously knows nothing about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which is only met with the light of, kid, if you're going to start work, keep working here, stay off the drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I like that, but absolutely. I like how you see when he does every time. Um, Akeem's trying to like seem as if he knows what he's talking about. He just puts everything into it. It really, mm-hmm. <laughs> really goes for it. It just seems so happy. Yeah, see, that's the thing. He does always say things with like conviction and pride and like always smiling. So you can't help but I mean, that part of except if you're Cleo McDowell. You, you do sympathise with him and stuff, you do go along with it. And I, you do see that with Lisa when when he starts talking about things, especially when Lisa was with the sister and they were trying to go on a double date and stuff, and they're asking what university do you go to, what does he respond with? United States, and they're still, they're still taking it in with that smiling gleam, even though they know. There's no there's no university in the United States. Definitely not. Definitely not. So yes, we do we do start to see them um gravitating a well bit together. However, there's a span of the works in the fact that it's Lisa's sister Patrice that has the fancy for the team. I mean he has a striking dude and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. But Yes, they go to the they go to the basketball game, double dating and everything, and it's where we kind of see the first almost slip up of his cover and the fact that there was a attendant there who is actually a loyal citizen. Well, he says he's a loyal citizen of Zamunda. Then what the hell was he doing in New York? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's quite upset away from. <laughs> Uh, so we do see them all there like I don't know about you guys I thought that was going to be the start of his cover being broken did you guys think that yourselves? yeah I thought that was going to be it I thought they were going to if it was real life obviously they would have figured it out I think Mm -hmm. but uh, then you go but this is one thing I was surprised how long the film was so then if it was short enough I thought he was going to get caught there but then I was like this is like they need to fill two hours here so there's no way. Yeah. It can't be. He can't be caught that <laughs> I know. I did think he was going to be caught there, and I do need to back up a bit because during the game, 
Daro. This is where we see Daro being an utter prick, as per usual. And he's asking questions on uh, to Akeem about Samunda. And what is the lady asking? What sport do you play? Chase the monkey. <laughs> that... <laughs> oh, yeah, it's pretty on it. As as it is. <laughs> I do laugh at it. <laughs> 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 I thought you were about to say it's Brills, and that's a real game. <laughs> no, it's not. It's... <laughs> no, it's not. It's... I mean, it may happen, but it's definitely not like a sport where it's like a, it's not a national sport. Like yeah. <laughs> like you're getting to the Rangatan League or something like that. No. It, it definitely does not happen. Definitely does not happen. <laughs> And, well, from there, we do get the infamous scene um, with Samuel Jackson. We do get Sam Jackson, the other future star of the show. And this is where things start to turn on its head, well, slightly. Guys, Sam Jackson doing his best. What what did you guys think of his performance on that one? Oh, he's amazing, isn't he? And he's just fucking good. He's really good at that as well, you see, there's a good few films you see, like Goodfellas as well, he's in, like just mm-hmm. a tiny part. And every time you're like, how wasn't he bigger at that point? But then you obviously mm-hmm. see why. And see, like I said earlier on, I was looking at his IMDb. See the amount of films he's done since then is fucking unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like, he must just work non-stop. It's, it's just like film after, like every year, numerous films. So mm-hmm. fair play to him, he fucking deserves it. Yeah, he's yeah. so yeah, he's super great, man. Uh, just like, I know, like, and he, he totally took me by surprise as well because I didn't really look up the cast before I started. Uh, I just kind of dived right in, and like when he turned up, I was like, "Hey, it's like, <laughs> like seeing an old friend." Like he's just going like, "Hey, my man, Sam, man, yeah. yeah, your old friends <laughs> holding a gun and holding, holding yeah, a just so like, just so like <laughs> wielding a gun, wielding a gun, yelling, motherfucker. <laughs> I did, I did personally love the line. Anybody moves, I'll blow your fucking damn heads off. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. And it is from there where I came first approaches him. I do, I don't know if you guys, but I just love the line where he, even in, in doing this, he's so respectful. Where he says to Lisa, "Excuse me for a moment, please." <laughs> <laughs> so confident, I think. <laughs> And he actually approaches him and says, if you, if you don't stop, I'll be forced to thrash you. Now, <laughs> I, I don't know about you guys, but it, I think we start to see Sam Jackson as a properly piss-poor uh, thief here. Now, I've played GTA a few times, and that's never happened when I hold up a store. Oops, I should have said that out loud. I don't know about you guys. Like, look, guys, let's analyse the robbery here. Good job, mediocre job, or could improve? A terrible job, to be honest. Because <laughs> he bottles it straight away. He's the one with the gun. Exactly. He's, um, Akeem's only got a, a mop. That's it. <laughs> yeah, if he t- turned around like a position. couple of seconds earlier, he would be absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah, he needs to be confident. He needs to tell himself he's the man with the gun, so he's in control of the situation. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. What, what I love from it is after he gets flashed and Sammy grabs the gun, I like how Akiba's still pointing the mop stick at him. Like, that's the, that's the primary thing that's going to keep him down on the floor. But uh, as from there, Cleo does... Uh, he, he st- you start to see him accepting Akeem now a bit more, and he now and Akeem saying, "He's working like we're finally being accepted as equals, not as such." <laughs> yeah, then has to go and work for him. Yes, <laughs> that's time in a private residence. So yeah, guys, they are now under uh, they're under that capacity where they're now serving them, and from there at. And to highlight, they did have an interesting conversation where Cleo kind of opens up to Akeem and he's talking about the Casa de McDowell, as he calls it. It, it was quite a touching moment for what was going to what was going to happen for the future. Spoiler alert there, guys, on that one. Like, hmm. it, it was quite a touching moment. Did you guys feel that? Yeah, I thought it was... It, 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 it seemed at that point, that's the only time he seemed like he, he cared if Akeem was going to do well for himself. And obviously mm-hmm. it's funny when you see him saying, like, if you work hard, maybe in 30 years you could have a place like this. <laughs> and then Akeem obviously knows that he's he's got more money than to get up our dream of. Mm-hmm. So it's quite cool when you think he's still, he's just working for this guy and taking all that in the pursuit of what he wants. Exactly. Exactly. Well, everyone turns up for the party. Even your favourite Reverend, Reverend Brown is there. And he's still not preaching. Definitely not preaching. <laughs> um, my favourite line, if loving the Lord is wrong, I don't want to be right. As <laughs> 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 if anyone would say that. <laughs> like, yeah, love the Lord's wrong. <laughs> I don't want to be right. <laughs> and it's just the voice he has when he says it. Uh, and as from there, you do see... You do see what you see the other side of Daryl. Well, the even the more misogynistic side of Daryl, and the fact that he is a general prick, but he is a misogynistic prick as well, and the fact that he has a weird heart to heart with Akiva as Akiva is pouring champagne. Little does he know what's going to happen, but he's saying you need to tell them what to do, like how. Crass and disgusting was that, guys. Aye, it was pretty bad, especially looking back on it now. Mm-hmm. I'm sure at that point, well, it was still bad, but not as bad. In Putin, but you're like, oh, Jesus, it's brutal. But then it's good as well because you can see that Akeem doesn't agree with that, despite the fact that he's obviously been these people that are subservient to him mm-hmm. and that are basically have been raised to serve him. He still knows that that's, that's not how you do things. I mean, Akeem's in a weird camp where you it's all right for you to spend five minutes underwater polishing your penis, but <laughs> you can't you can't force him into marriage. And and I think it's from his experience of that that's why it kind of resonates with him as well, because in a way he's been forced into marriage as well that he doesn't want to. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, and then obviously he does that engagement thing that she does. She doesn't want. She doesn't want to get engaged to him. Mm-hmm. So then that's pretty bad as well. Yeah, and then that's pure forcing her into. That's pure forcing her into that the same way he's getting forced into. It. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, what was that even all about? I was like, wait, I didn't know like, that happened. <laughs> out with, like, arranged marriage, kind of, arranged situation, just going, like, just ask their, just ask their dad, like, yep, yep, there you go. Everyone's just married now. And then it's from there, you do see Lisa and Kim have that heart-to-heart outside and on the swing, and they've, they're finally talking on, a, on another level and stuff. From that, you do see them start to go on dates and stuff, which is a nice and ending because now Akeem is finally getting towards what his main goal was in America. But as as it finds out, it all starts to unravel on him, and it's all because of Semi and a telegram he sends. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> yeah, that's from the end, Oh, sorry, sorry and on you go. No, no, no please. <laughs> Pardon you. <laughs> I just thought that was super, super bold of uh, the kind of aid, the aid to be right, right and back to the game. Like, here, can you send me a million quid? <laughs> Come on, no, you're a police man, you're mental. <laughs> hey, that is that is bold to me. She's, she's obviously like taking the piss out of him. And it shows how detached they are. Like, even he, he isn't in the royal family and he's mm-hmm. still going, oh, should we just ask for more? Is that going to be enough? Like, they've got no concept. <laughs> they've got no concept of money. <laughs> totally. <laughs> what I loved about it is the fact that she calls her, uh, when she's reading it, your loyal servant, Semi, he goes, Semi. Like, that's a bit that's wrong in the telegram. <laughs> yeah. A request of 300,000 becomes a million because the lady at the other end of the postal service is basically saying, ah, just go for it, why not? (laughs) But it does prompt King Joffrey Jofer to appear in Queens. And of course, as you know with Queens, the first place you have to go to is Mighty Shark. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And (laughs) <laughs> guys we start to see Joffy Jofer touring around different places to find Akeem where he starts to see the lengths Akeem has gone to to live a normal life there are a few quotes and a few moments what were some of your guys highlight moments from King Joffy Jofer finding out about Akeem oh, it's just con- constant anger isn't it I like the bit where um, what's the dad's name again is it Cleo or something uh, Cleo McDowell, yeah. Yeah, he's he obviously wants them wants to be friends with him. He's like mm-hmm. so impressed by him, and soon he's insisting on. Oh, he says like just phone me, and then mm-hmm. Joffrey's not having that. He wants to be phoning the hotel to then contact him. <laughs> it's cool how he is pure dominant, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's just totally command. He's just totally commanding. He just has that like. He's one of those people who just has that kind of like presence. You know what I mean? Like when he's in the room, like you know, like if you're no he's there he's just kind of like good commanding like regal figure like that's like, he's so good for the role <laughs> exactly one one thing I did love was when Saul uh, is stroking the lion uh, sash that King Joffrey wears and he goes that is beautiful what is that velvet what's <laughs> <laughs> that velvet <laughs> so stupid one the thing is, it probably was actually made of velvet. <laughs> because of that, they actually went and an animal for it. Uh, but I also loved when uh, he's told where Akeem stays, and it, 
a bus into the apartment that was originally where they were, but Sammy had fixed it up, all, all beautiful and with the hot tub and stuff. And the landlord is telling the king, the, king, the fact that uh, King sees Akeem's employee of the month photo for McDowell's, and he's told us what he works, and he shouts, my son works! <laughs> oh, it's good, isn't I absolutely love that bit. Yes, and he finally does get to go. He goes to Claire McDowell's restaurant and Oha gives Cleo some Bank of Zamunda money. And this is where the penny drops with <laughs> with uh, Cleo, the fact that Akeem is not not just a normal, he's not just a boy from Zamunda and to study at the University of the United States <laughs> is when he's given Bank of Zamunda money with Akeem's head on it. That's where it all starts to change and we see Cleo really change his spots and not want Daryl anymore. Guys, yeah. it's what, what a shift in Cleo McDowell's attitude, isn't it? Yeah, oh, you can tell he's just got dollar signs in his eyes. Dollar, dollar, dollar. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, see, um, <laughs> what, I, what I just love about that is the fact that Daryl's turning up with flowers and he just keeps on shutting the door on him when Akeem and Lisa are in the house. Um, Cleo just calls him son. Oh, that was just, funny. It's just Lisa's face when it was like, wait a minute here. But eventually, um, so Cleo is trying to keep them in the house to call King Joffrey Joffrey at the Waldorf Astoria as it happens. Now, this is where we start to see it unravel because Cleo is forced to tell Lisa. And poor Lisa, she feels she's been lied to. You can understand her reaction, can't you, Nikki? Yeah, she's obviously, yeah. You know that it's, it's going to happen at some point that she'll find out and be mm-hmm. fucking raging. And I thought the bit where she's like running through the subway was one of the better, like, sometimes I never talk about stuff like this, but like, well shot, I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it just looked cool. cool. And I, I never really cared about stuff like that. But see, like, when she's gone on and he comes down and he pulls. The subway doors apart and felt like he was like I don't know, like more confident. Like he was like more at home in there than he'd been but before he seemed like like he didn't understand what he was doing, but there he was quite confident to put his sand in and just part parts of the doors and goes in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Have a year for you, Ian. Oh no, I thought I thought it was a really, I thought it was a really cool scene. I mean that uh, like it's just like, no, no, it's like, I think it's one of these things, this happens real well, you know, the kind of liar revealed story. It's kind of like, yeah, sometimes it's a wee bit of a cheap story, but it's done right, and I feel like they do it, do it in this one, right? It's like, it's quite, it's like, quite nice. Uh, like, the, I feel like actually the, the romance between um, the two characters is actually one of the kind of like weaker points of the film, like, really. And I'm not, I'm not saying this to like, uh, trash it in any way but it's like uh, it's kind of, it's kind of quite, ba- it's kind of quite basic and I feel like you get that quite a lot in like comedy movies where it's like, the, emo- the emotional the emotional kind of centre isn't quite as tight it's like it's more just about kind of being yeah, secondary yeah 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 but um, yeah. No, I think it was it was nice I was like by, by, by the end of, by the end I was happy to go but I mean like you know that was a pretty, pretty big lie what else is she going to lie about later on if I was mm-hmm. not in her <laughs> shoes but at the end of the day you do get a chance to be a princess so yeah, 
weighing up your options. Yeah, they're done talking before the next stop. Joe <laughs> <laughs> loved about that train is the fact that everyone at the side were just watching it all happen. Yeah, that was great. Like, what do you Go think? for it. Take a chance. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely love that. Absolutely fantastic there. So yes. Um so on that, we we do have unfortunately Akeem is left jilted in the subway train and they do end up having to go back to Zamunda and as per the tradition, he does need to go back and marry the wife that the bride that they've seen from Imani Aziz. And what does is Zemi, what does he say? Look at it this way, at least we've learned how to make French fries. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And it's also like that that whole like last theme in the wedding, it turns out it actually was uh, actually was uh, like his girlfriend all along and it's all like mm-hmm. being lovely. <laughs> so what, else, like, <laughs> what are the logistics of this sort of situation to secretly sneak her, her and her fa- family over and get a bed for the dress, you know, like the whole sort yeah. And then if you don't get the stuff like that and you just go, that's nice. Don't get too productive, Dad. I think I think you're right. I was like, I was like, wait a minute. The re- the realism of this uh, is completely, it's completely <laughs> take, me out, take me out of the movie. I remember <laughs> saying this. This is completely off topic, not really, but kind of. Mark Hamill said when they were doing the first Star Wars, when they were in the trash compactor, he said. Um, oh, shouldn't my hair be on? After the scene after that, he was like, shouldn't my hair be on this? He was like, in there. He said, Harrison Ford put his arm around him and went, look, kid, it's not that kind of movie. Well, guys, on that, so that was coming to America. Like, mm. I wanted to quickly touch on the legacy that is left. Like, what do you guys think about? I mean, it was 30 years ago. We do know that a sequel has just come out 30 years later. I mean, that is absolutely a long time for a sequel film to come out 30 years later. It's just ridiculous. Um, but what is you guys have watched it once? Are you more inclined to watch it again? It's definitely like oh. one of those. It's a kind of mushy, feel good movie. Like it's a good one just to stick. On. It's a good one just to stick on and just go. Ah, you know, life is fun and good <laughs> and nice, <laughs> and people fall in love, and we have happily ever afters. It's really, it really is like it's great for that. And um, like really, like it's just the wee details that really like make this movie shine. Like I, I mean, all of Eddie Murphy's performances are so great and funny and kind of nuanced and so kind of like caked and kind of Queens, Queens, like, uh, like black American culture. And, yeah. uh, totally, like, totally thought it was, um, I totally thought it was really, really, really cool. Really nice, really nice movie. Uh, I'll definitely watch it again at some point. I think that's something that, that I feel like me and Sophie would sit down to watch. Because Sophie's yeah. totally, like, <laughs> totally go like, oh, like, when they, <laughs> when they pull back the veil at the end, like, to definitely eat that up. But no, it's great. And then just all, also, like, just a fantastic cast, like, I was just saying Eddie Murphy's performance, but everyone, everyone else, like it really just brought the movie to life, and no, yeah. I, really, I really, I really loved it. I'm not that interested. I'm, I mean, like, uh, I mean, I've probably watched the second Come to America. I thought I read somewhere that Eddie Murphy wasn't not, not even not happy about it. But he said like, eh, doesn't really, doesn't really want to do a sequel, but I think he's ended up. Ended I was up shocked that he is doing it. it because he's not like he's not really famous for doing stuff like that. Yeah, like, I remember it came out like FCNL were doing like a 40th anniversary. 
And um, Norm McDonald put loads of tweets up about all the, because he was obviously on the writing team and that. So he put loads of tweets up about all the production of it. And he said they wanted Eddie Murphy to play Bill Cosby, but he said no. He said they didn't want to kick a man when he was down. And then the point Norm McDonald made was he said, Eddie Murphy, unlike the rest of us, doesn't need the laughs. So he doesn't, yeah, yeah. like, he's not like, Desperate for people to like him, or he's not like, like, see, when you even watch him on, I seen him on comedians and cars getting coffee. He's not like constantly trying to be funny, he's quite like reserved now. Mm-hmm. So, you then think I didn't, I, I was surprised when I had to watch it because of that thing, he doesn't need the laughs or he doesn't need to do this. But I think it's probably because he was, he's meant to be returning to stand up, but obviously, all this has happened. So, mm-hmm. I think he's then just come doing more movies again. Yeah, interesting take there, Nicky. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, as Eddie Murphy has always been about the films for me, so I like my Norberts and mm. the Clumps and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I do like Eddie Murphy, but I mean, Shrek as well, Donkey plays absolute blinder and, and playing Shrek, uh, play Shrek, playing Donkey and Shreks and stuff like that. So, Absolutely. How about you? For you, Nicky, are you going to be watching this again? How does uh, I'll watch the second one, definitely. I, okay. Like I said, I'm a massive Eddie Murphy fan. I've always pure loved him. Like, mm-hmm. I started off, like, I liked him, and then I watched Delirious, the first stand-up, and then mm-hmm. I w- it blew my mind, because looking back on it, it's not, it's not nice. Like, it's loads of homophobic jokes. Mm-hmm. loads of pretty brutal stuff but at the time I just thought it was fucking hilarious because mm-hmm. it was so it was like I just knew Eddie Murphy was like donkey at that point mm-hmm. and then it was like he's in like a red leather suit and it was just amazing it was like what he looks like then like so cool and then I went on up here binge of watching it but this is the one that I'd missed so I will definitely I think I will watch it again like Ian said it's a film you could just put on and not really pay attention to and just laugh <laughs> <laughs> spawn, spawn. Like it's good. <laughs> well, I'm gonna come to you guys. See, as we come to the end of the film, what was your favorite or funniest moment from it? I'm coming uh, to you first. Ian, I'll come to you first. Uh, I think like you know, and this is what really like, like I feel like you know the whole opening scene. Like I was howling the whole way through it. Actually, like it kind of, it really just set. It really just set up what the film was really set up what the film was all about and I just knew what I just knew what I was in for straight away. I just loved all the wee all the wee kind of visual gags and the kinda of like all the royalty stuff. It was, I just thought it was really funny. I think that was like off the top of my head, like that's one of the ones that stood out the most for me. Absolutely. Uh, I agree because I think I think a lot of comedy movies, the start is a lot funnier than the rest of it. Because mm-hmm. the rest of it they need to get into the plot and what's actually happening. Whereas at the start it's just like jokes, jokes, jokes constantly. Mm-hmm. and like we were talking about earlier on the bit where he says about them tying his shoes on over the experience there's just lines like that that you're just like that it's just like they must have been so happy with that when they wrote it because it's fucking genius mm-hmm. but there's things like that in this movie that coming out now that's still fucking so funny yeah it's just those little throwaway comments like my son works the <laughs> also semi said i'm badly in need of a manicure <laughs> i love that line as well when he, they were uh, yeah, it was good. cleaning the windows and stuff so it's for it's an absolute classic for me i love this film so have you watched yeah. the second one yet or are you going to i, I have actually yes i have actually good? 
now the thing is, the reviews on it are very, very mixed. I watched it with my girlfriend. I mean, my girlfriend like say coming to America, so we watched it together. She did tell me that the reviews on it has been quite scathing and saying that there's a lot of recycled jokes in it. However, I I actually like that because it's it's for me sometimes I know jokes is not good if you repeat them like this that insistent gag kind of thing but sometimes I do like an insistent gag because I like my British like sitcoms with um where you do have your recycled jokes and stuff and it's done in a different manner and stuff so they do pull some jokes from the original and kind of add a new twist to it so I did like that because it like I mean you've heard me describe coming to America and it just has this whole wholesome family vibe. I know it's not wholesome, but that wholesome family vibe for me, where it connects my family and stuff. So, films that. That. so when you're when you're younger, films you love, you get older and you look at it, and it's got like a three out of ten on IMDb. And you're yeah. like, who uh, who cares? Exactly. You liked it when you're younger. You probably still find it funny now. It's just people like film critics that will look at that and like criticise things that really don't matter when it comes to something a film like that. Mhm. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I love professional wrestling and that thing. I'm, I'm going off topic about your... What will see I mean, certain, I do that all the time. <laughs> where you watch certain matches and Truff will have this argument all day long with me where there are certain matches that I love that um, a lot of people may hate or there's something that he loves that I may not like. But it's the thing is, it's just how it connects with you and stuff like that. You can't, yeah. you can't really... You know what I mean? You can't really argue with that. So that's why it's it's a big thing for me. So coming to America, I'm going to come to you guys and get your ratings out of 10. Nikki, go for uh, it. 8 out of 10. I thought it was really good. I'd love yeah, to strong, really enjoyed strong. it. Ian, how about you? Yeah, I'd maybe give it like a seven and a half or an eight somewhere somewhere in that region. Yeah, I thought I thought it was great. Like uh, like it was no it was no it was no masterpiece, but it was like it was a great. I just really kind of like fun late 80s comedy that like you can sit down and you know you can just sit down and watch it's like a it's like a warm bowl of soup you know like you know just have your nice you feel good at the end you know well i'm gonna give it 14 and a half out of 10 so that means we're gonna give it 30 out of 30 congratulations to america <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because I can. The privileges of being a host. I didn't come here to preach. So we now move on to this week's news, where we talk about the news. I thought I had a wee jingle to the news item. I don't know why, but there we go. If I like want it. To keep... Stylish. Did you like it? Yeah. yeah Please, yeah, folks, if you're listening, tweet in and say the new news theme is amazing. Keep it in trough. I will, I will record <laughs> <Yeah>. again professionally. Overlord, yeah. Overlord David Campbell. Now, the first bit of news is has got to be concerned with uh, Michael B. Jordan, also known as the Evil Black Panther. He <laughs> is confirmed to direct Creed 3. Uh, full disclaimer, right? 
in your section, I'm just going to say what it is, and you two just let rip. I think people that have heard me of uh, first time films know this already, right? So, Michael B. Jordan confirmed to direct Creed 3. Guys, I'll let y'all go on it because I've not seen any Creed whatsoever. Uh, neither have I. Michael B. Okay. Jordan. I don't think I've seen him in anything apart from uh, Instagram with people saying that he's good looking. Which, to be fair, he, he is, is a very handsome man. strikingly handsome person. <laughs> <isn't> he, <yeah. laughs> Suspiciously <laughs> handsome. So that's all I'll say. But uh, Creed, I, I, don't, mm, I don't really like boxing films, to be honest. But one point I do have on this, I was thinking about Creed and like Rocky and stuff today. This is going completely off topic. So I was watching that <laughs> thing about The Undertaker had been on Joe Rogan's podcast, right? Then there mm-hmm. was loads of past things about Joe Rogan slaughtering wrestling, but yeah. then being really nice about it to The Undertaker. And it was really embarrassing. Then there's a bit where he's saying about professional wrestling and he said, like, oh, I just I find it so insulting when they do like jiu-jitsu moves because it's not, it's not how it's actually done. And you're like, do you not like Rocky because boxers don't actually fucking punch meat? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> just the whole time I'm going, are, is, are you fucking, you're just stupid. You're just a fucking idiot. Like, it's, it's, and he kept telling all these guys that watch it and they, they like debate about whether it's real or not. And I was like, do they? I've never, like, I don't think that actually fucking happened. Yeah, no, you have to suspend your disbelief at all. So like, <laughs> films like Creed and Rocky and stuff, you just need to kind of go along go on for the ride like loads of films aren't like Whiplash as well that's not how you learn to play a jazz musician but <laughs> it's, it's a fucking good film it's actually funny you say that because uh, in the first Creed I, I didn't actually even know there was a second Creed there might mind bringing on a director for Creed it's the one that Tony Bell is in uh, I know he's yeah, in one so of Tony, Tony Bell um, at the end of the first Creed oh, uh, spoiler alert uh Tony Bellew does actually punch him, um, and they yeah, knocks him out. He said that like he said Tony Bellew said he did that about forty percent of like his full power, mm-hmm. to, but to give it more natural effect. But it's actually funny you bring that up because that was actually something that they did try and go for like a more realistic. Uh, How was it thing? And that was it. But you know, that was actually something. But that was something I really liked about um, the first Creed in general. I, I can't really speak to the second one. Obviously, not the third one. It's not been out. But uh, the first one, like it does have, it does have this really cool way of making it look like a kind of. Just looks like it's kind of real raw boxing match. So I think like, they actually like really knocked out of the park with that. Like, so obviously they had like they're off the back of Rocky, the kind of legendary boxing films, which are great, which are great in their own right. But this one was like kind of gritty, like really gritty and raw and real. And uh, I think that's what I really liked about the first Creed. No, I didn't think that movie was perfect. And I didn't. And on the kind of know of him being the director, I, I don't. I've not seen him directing it. Nelson, I don't know about it anyway so I mean I don't even know if I can speak to like what that might be like but who knows I mean now that he's been into Creed movies like maybe he has a good idea of where he should go with the <laughs> next one like film wise I guess we just have to wait and see mm-hmm. well on that we do have another news on another director Kenneth Branagh he's going to be directing a Bee Gees biopic now the only thing I can comment on is the Bee Gees because I do like staying alive <laughs> Uh, I like the BGs, eh? I like the early stuff. It's a lot different to the disco things. So the early stuff's fucking brilliant. But mm-hmm. I like the BGs. I only knew the BGs because I used to love Wayne's World when I was young. And there's a bit mm-hmm. in that where he says, Led Zeppelin don't make songs everyone likes, to leave that at the BGs. So I've just mm-hmm. always had that in my head that everyone likes the BGs. <laughs> 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 Anytime I hear about them, I'm like, oh, that band that everyone loves. 
But I don't actually know that much about them apart from my grandma. Well, well, maybe this is maybe this is just the movie for you then. So you yeah, thank God. The, 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 I was thinking I wish Ken Frano would make a film about them. So <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, like you know, like see, with like there's been a bit of a wave of you know like movie 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 biopics over the past fifteen years. Or like Rocket Man, Bohemian Rhapsody. You had that one. What was the one about the Motley Crew called? Uh, uh, the Dirt. The dirt, yeah, yeah. Also had what, like, if you go a wee bit further back, you got like Walk the Line with the uh, Bad Blacking Phoenix's. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, who was he in? Johnny Cash. <laughs> Johnny Cash. Bloody hell! How, how did I forget Johnny Cash? Right there you go. That was getting added to the shame. Dude. I know. I wish, I'd left, I wish I'd let that linger for a wee while longer. I just feel like there's like a. <laughs> But you know, I think the thing is, like, I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody was actually like, despite Rami Malek's performance as Freddie Mercury being really great, it was like a wee bit of a letdown. I thought it was a very kind of paint by numbers biopic. It was a very much movie. You could tell Brian May was involved in it because it was all like Freddie Mercury was good, but Brian May was the fucking man. And you were just all time you were like Brian May's been just standing there like a liar done loads, man. Yeah. I know <laughs> ah, exactly. Yeah, making him look like the pure nice, the, the rest of the band, the pure nicest guys ever, and it's like it's like you know, Freddie Mercury was a way yeah. in the game, man. That he ruined the band or something. Exactly. But like you know, it's all kind of paint by numbers. It's like they kind of oh, they get together under some kind of circumstances, and then they go on tour, and then suddenly they're massive, and then suddenly it all falls apart. Like um, that is what the band. I know. Tarantino spoke about that in that exact angle, like saying the like it's like what you're saying. It's just paint by numbers. He was like, why doesn't a biopic just do like like two weeks of a band's existence? Exactly, like a big portion of it. There was a movie about Buddy Holly, and obviously he died when he was like 23, and that's actually a really good one because it can only really cover like what like four or five years years of his career, which are good. I can't remember the name of it now. But uh, that's actually a good flick, which is a good kind of like counterpoint. And there's also that uh, mad spoof movie of Walk the Line, which uh, John C. Reilly starred in, which is called Walk Hard, where he basically like plays a kind of Johnny Cash type character. And oh, mate, it's fucking hilarious. And it also totally <laughs> illustrates the whole point about the kind of like the music biopic, music biopic formula. So all I'm really, all, to bring it back to what we're talking about, all I'm really saying like with this movie is just like, I just hope that they used to do something a bit more interesting, like Rocket Man. Rocket Man fell into a lot of the, the kind of pitfalls, I think, but also was a bit more interesting. Like they done a lot more stuff, kind of like visually more interesting. Dived a bit deeper into what Elton John was like and his struggles. And mm-hmm. I just hope that I just hope that they give that the same kind of sort of respect or even more uh, to this Bee Gees one because, like, obviously they're kind of like music legends and their story. I'm sure they have an interesting story. So we'll just have to see how that one goes as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, moving on to the final bit of news, and it's Space Jam related. So, the sequel where we may see LeBron James as a starring role, the plot has been released on this. I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. So, it's a thought that LeBron James is going to play a heightened version of himself who struggles to relate to his younger son, Dom, who is played by Cedric Joel who is more interested in creating games than playing them. I think they're going for this new millennial type thing business here. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, what do you guys think about this plot reveal? Um, I, I like, I really liked Space Jam 1. And then, mm-hmm. see, that's, see, for the, what I'll say, right, this is what I say about trailers as well, see, like, if you just read up a plot to anything, I think it kind of sounds a bit stupid. Mm-hmm. I think once you actually see it, it'll maybe be a bit better. But it does seem as if, like, see the thing about, like, I read something about, like, 
gaining followers or something like that. kind of like, oh, that's just trying to tap into what things I like now. But mm. I mean, fair play. I wait. I will go. I will go and see it or watch it because I fucking love the first Space Jam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I can I can tell there's going to be a lot of like cheap internet, uh, C, or internet CG jokes. There's going to be a lot of kind of ah, oh, I can just see it right now. I don't know, you know, what I mean, kind of like kind of like appealing to the kids of the day, like hello, fellow <laughs> kids, like jokes, and uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, yeah, Space Run, Space Run, uh, Space Jam One definitely has its uh, charm. Like uh, mm-hmm. it's great. Like you know, it's like it's shit, but it's great. Like all in one. And there's this one, like, I'd step, I just can't help but feel like it's a bit of a cash grab. And uh, Yeah. But, I mean, like, you know, I'll, I'll watch it and I'll probably roll my eyes at it and then at the end of the day I'll probably still, I'll probably might still love it. But we just have to, like, we just have, we just have to wait, just have to wait and see again. Like, you know, that's just another, like, you know, famous, I, famous star trying to like, break into acting a wee bit but playing themselves. I can't believe it was news that the, the, the Lola Bunny wasn't going to be where my cropped up. the the incels went mental I know people were fucking furious man I'm like this is gonna see if that is what you're into Space Jam 1 is still there why do you need a sequel of it why do you need new scenes there's there's websites you can turn to (laughs) see with me right this has the danger of becoming Rock of Ages like where you just put in loads and loads of well-known names into a movie, and it is just shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I've spread that on this yeah. as well. Like loads of films that you're just like people have sat and gone, right, we'll do this, then we'll put these people in it, and then it will just be good. Mm-hmm. And then, like, that's not what happens, though. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's no vision. Yeah. I, I just hope they know what they're. I mean. They know a hell of a lot better than I do, but I hope they know enough because, eh, let me put it this way, LeBron James, he's not exactly cheap. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully they just make it Looney Tunes heavy because that's the only yeah. thing that will be slightly funny about it. So yeah. Just make LeBron just be standing there to just get people in to go and see it, but then make it made a Looney Tunes movie. Mm-hmm. Big well, time. well, folks... I didn't come here to preach, but there's a lot <laughs> somewhere. I don't not know. We are coming to the awards at the end of the show. Wherever you're listening to this, make it was sure an overrated awesome. experience. <laughs> <laughs> have you been? Have you had that one loaded? Oh, I've been waiting. Now. I've been waiting for the end. <laughs> Just seeing you rehearsing that in the mirror. Exact words flying by my head, practicing it. <laughs> oh well, well, folks, we. Do Desire that you subscribe wherever you listen to this. Subscribe to First Time Films, Full Time Football, FTTV as well, FTYT. Get subscribed to the uh, to all of us on to all our platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Get on YouTube. Watch the future show of Late Night with Quack and Stacey. Ding! <laughs> which will be sponsored by what you. Oh, the haggis. oh, I don't even know. Some sponsor, this is going to be, can't remember the name of it. You'll be starting over with Buzz Girl, like, yeah, today we're sponsored by... Uh, Something to do with what, haggis. What are they called? Ah, they, they sell haggis, right? You, you can find out the rest. I, I, that's right. I'm just going to phone up Charlotte Hotel and see what they've got. <laughs> so, <laughs> folks, um, thank you very much to the panel that joined me, Mr. Soul Glow, Nick, Nicky Buchanan. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> and the man that rocks the semi, Ian Shearer. <laughs> thanks, thanks, yeah. After touching, touch. Absolutely touching. <laughs> I have been, hey. I've been the Crown Prince Quacker, Joffer of Lenty. Thank you for listening. <laughs> and good night. Good night. Bye. Bye.